sing. It's my turn. Hallelujah. Hey, give the worship team a hand. Praise the Lord. And give the Lord a great big hand. What an awesome God we serve. He's good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Minister Micah and team. How wonderful. You may be seated. I get to uh, preach tonight. What a wonderful thing. I'm so proud of you coming out on Sunday night. Somebody didn't give you the memo. The memo is you shouldn't have church on Sunday night because no one will come. Evidently, you missed that memo because you're here. Churches all over the United States do not have a midweek service or a Sunday night service because no one will come. What is wrong with you? I'm so glad I'm at this church and we have a midweek service and a Sunday night service because this is my favorite place in all of Alaska. I love to be here. I love this church. It's why we've been a part of this church for coming up on the start of our 18th year. It is. Praise the Lord. Do you have your Bible or something to scroll Bible? Uh, you're going to want to find the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible. And I've got three sections I'm going to read from tonight. And then we're going to look at a few things. It was a tragic day in my house this afternoon. I had to get rid of my preaching socks. I mean, I've put them on and I noticed, okay, there's a hole. It's okay, I can deal with that. I can still, can still preach in those socks. I have this particular pair of socks that I like to wear to events. I've done a lot of big events and things, you know, like pumpkin patch. Whatever, and I like this one pair of socks. It's just my favorite pair of socks. Anybody got a favorite pair? The hole kept growing, and then this, this is like, you know, at the beginning of this year. So, I mean, I've just kept stretching them. I put them on today. I'm preaching tonight. I put them socks on. They're my favoriteest ones, and I just couldn't do it. Moment of silence for the holy socks. That's not a hint to go buy me some socks. You don't know what they are. I probably won't wear the socks you get me, and then you'll get offended. Hate God, go to hell, and it would be horrible. <laughs> don't buy me some socks. Your salvation is riding on it. <laughs> not preaching about socks tonight, but it was a tragic day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Welcome, those of you that are online and uh, watching this live or maybe at a later date. I hope, this, I hope you're encouraged. I hope those of you that are here tonight are encouraged. I'm pretty upset about that free coffee card for the visitors. I've been a part of this church for 18 years, and I hadn't got a free coffee card. <laughs> So those of you that got your coffee card tonight, you are so blessed. Just kidding, kind of. 
Those of you that are watching online, you don't get a coffee card unless you actually walk in the building. So if you're like right down the road and you could have come, bummers. We got some free coffee for you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. What? All right, let's get started. Lord, help. Help us today. Lord, help me to communicate what you've put in my heart and help us to hear. God, give us ears to hear. We long to hear truth tonight. Oh, God, touch me so that I can speak your word. I do take it serious, oh, God, that you've given me this opportunity today to speak on your behalf. And those watching online and those that are here tonight have come to hear something that they need for their life. And, Lord, that's, that's what we need, we all need. So speak through me, I pray. Give us ears to hear, I pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. My wife and I were living in Oregon for a very short time before we came here to Alaska. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that short time and uh, all that took place during it. But my grandmother had passed away while we were there. And in an effort to honor my grandmother and my family, I packed up my family, my five kids and my wife. We converted my little minivan into an RV, uh, rearranged things and did whatever it took. We're going to drive straight from Oregon to Oklahoma and get there in time for the memorial service and then drive back. It was kind of a very demanding trip, but something happened along the way that was very interesting and usually, you know, stories worth telling are the ones that went cuckoo, right? Nobody tells a story like, hey man, everything was so awesome. Wait till I tell you about it. That's just like, okay. We like the stories where like it went horribly wrong and we barely survived. So I've got one of those. So we're driving along in this, we we end up driving in this fog and the fog was so, and we're on the interstate and the cars are driving very fast where we were way faster than the speed limit, and this, this fog is so heavy and so thick, you literally cannot see the car right in front of you. Super mega dangerous. And these cars are zipping by us. You know, they're still going 80 miles an hour. And I'm like, this is horrible. I'm so scared. And I'm, I'm on a, a, an interstate that I'm not familiar with. You know, if it's a road you're familiar with, you could probably navigate that pretty well. But I have no idea where I'm at, and I'm scared, and the cars are not slowing down, and they can't see me. This is a problem. So my wife and I did something that was the only way we knew how to survive this, which was we pulled out our phone, you know, the, uh, the navigation thing on your phone, and we're looking at the map, and she's telling me, okay, there's a left turn coming up, and I'm just like, you're going to turn to the left. I'm driving 80 miles an hour, and the the phone is telling me what's coming up. And it was scary because I had no, no, no idea what was just ahead, but the phone helped me get there, and it was like an hour's worth of it. It wasn't two or three minutes. It was an hour's worth of driving, and I wouldn't believe it if somebody told me unless I was the actual driver And I kept saying to my wife, tell me what's next. Tell me what's next. 
next. We finally got out of it. We survived. Praise the Lord. Today I shared that with you because there are times when we're living this Christian life and obeying God where sometimes we need to have that, you know, that map or sometimes we feel like we're in this fog. We're just like, where am I? I'm terrified. What is going on here? I can't see ahead. There's a lot of times that we are living this life and we need to hear from God and we long for all the fog to get out of the way and we feel like we're in a vulnerable place serving God and things didn't quite go like I thought they would. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's those moments in life where you're just like, are you kidding me? This cannot be happening. I was on the airplane coming back. I just went on vacation. And um, I'm on this, my, I had to get on three different airplanes getting home, and which was great. But on the very first airplane, it's like, you know, really early in the morning. And this large family is the last people on the plane. They were like holding the door for them. And they can't find their seats. And uh, what had happened was, this, they're walking around on the airplane and the flight attendants are like on the thing. Please sit down. Please, we got to shut the door. Please sit down. And people are getting upset at this family. And it was like, oh, this is going to end up on the news. This is bad. And what had happened is people took their seats because they wanted their seat, and they're ignoring this family. They're like just like totally ignoring that. This went on for 15 or 20 minutes. The flight attendants were trying to do their best. They did a great job. And anyway, I'm sitting there going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Who would actually create this scenario and then ignore the little kid who's looking for their seat, Right? And so they finally rearranged the ladies on the microphone. Please look at your ticket and get in the right seat. And the flight attendant actually had to go person by person. Show me your ticket. You're in the wrong seat. I mean, it's just like. So then on my third, on my third airplane, it happens again. And I'm sitting there going, this is, you've got to be kidding me. What is going on today? Then I realize I'm the one in the wrong seat. After 10 minutes goes by of me going, come on, folks, somebody get in the right seat. It was me. I felt like a moron. I could feel everybody's laser eyes zapping me. Who's the, the unsmart guy? You ever feel like that when you're like trying to obey God and then it's just like, what is going on here? It doesn't seem to go like you want. We're going to look at three, we're, we're, we're going to try to part the clouds for you today. And we're going to try to walk out, what in the world is God doing? We can get that from the word. And I want to look at the book of Exodus today. We're going to look at three short passages and I hope that I can encourage you and myself in my walking with God and, and doing my best to obey Him with the way He led the children of Israel in three different uh, passages. 
about where he gave them directions. And it seems a little absurd what he said to them. It doesn't quite make sense, but it sure makes sense to us. Especially when you look at maybe some of the scenarios where you're just like, are you kidding me? God, when are you going to do what you promised? I, I thought I did my part. Where is your promise? Anybody looking for a promise from God? It just hasn't happened yet. Man, that gets discouraging sometimes. Well, I hope I can encourage you. Let's look at these three. Turn to the book of Exodus. And we're on chapter 13. So we have the children of Israel. They have left Egypt. They're on their way out. They've plundered Egypt. They took all the silver and gold and whatever else that they wanted. The, the God caused the Egyptians to look favorably upon the Israelites. And Moses has got somewhere around 2 million plus people, plus their sheep and cattle and their belongings. This is an enormous amount of people and stuff. Anybody look at your house and go, where did all this stuff come from? This is two million people's stuff and more stuff that they took from the Egyptians. They plundered Egypt on the way out. So it, there's, this is a huge crowd. And Moses is, has set out. He's got a promise from God. He's going to be the deliverer. And he, God's going to take them to a place flowing with milk and honey, whatever that means. We're not preaching on that today, but we are preaching about them pursuing the promise because they've got this promise in their mind, God's going to take me to this place and we're headed there now. Moses is taking me. And that's where we pick up chapter 13. They have been in the, they've left Egypt for just a little bit. Now they're headed, they're kind of going towards the Red Sea. Let's look at verse 17. <clears throat> so interesting. Here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Everybody say shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God let the people Around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, the Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Does anybody like to take the long way around? Not very often, not unless it's like, you know, beautiful weather and, the, and, and you know, it's nice out and you're not in a hurry. And then you might take the long way. God takes these guys the long way around. I don't know about you, I like the short way. When God gives me a promise that's something awesome, it's some prophetic word or dream I had or God spoke to me from the Bible, I want the straight line there. Anybody else? In this particular story, that is not what God did. What God says here is so interesting and speaks to us today. I want to look at this, this first passage here and maybe point out a few things and hopefully I, I hope it speaks to you. First thing I want to point out is that God was more concerned about what was happening on the inside of the Israelites than what was happening on the outside. In their pursuing of this promise that God gave them, they were armed for what? 
They were armed for battle, and there was two million of them plus, and all of their animals and stuff. Yet God somehow was concerned if they faced war, they would turn and go back. I don't know about you, but if I was going to attack someone, it wouldn't be an army of two million people armed for battle. But God saw something we don't look at. And God was concerned that if they faced war, they would give up and go back to Egypt. He wasn't looking at the outside. At the outside, it's a massive crowd with arm for battle, which I'm assuming is armor and swords and javelins, whatever that means. They're armed for battle. But God saw something else, something internal. And because of what he saw that was going on on the inside of them, he took them in a way that didn't match the outside, what they were projecting on the outside. God, the Bible makes it clear that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, oh, we all got that one on our refrigerator. <clears throat> but it's hard to walk out. So God takes them the long way. The first thing I wanted to point out for, for us today is the journey sometimes is what God's got us on may look like the long way around to the, the promise, but it's really about what's going on on the inside. God is more concerned about the inside than getting you quickly to your destination. The promise and the destination, the dream, whatever it is, that's only part of it. God gives us like a picture sometimes to produce something on the inside of us. And he couldn't take them the short way to get there because of internal, uh, they were fragile on the inside. Second thing I wanted to point out was it was not God's intention that they go back to what they used to be. And because, because he was afraid they would go back, he wouldn't let them go the short way. Because he was afraid if they got attacked, they would crumple. They would give in. They would respond out of fear and lack of confidence. And they were fragile on the inside. God was concerned about strengthening the inside to a point that they wouldn't go back. God doesn't want you to go back to what your life was before him. So... You've given your life to Jesus. If you haven't, today's your day. You can walk out of here. You can finish this service that you're watching online with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Once you do that, what happens after that may not look like... By the way, uh, whoever made the announcements, which is our media department, I'm going to give you a better clip. Because I look depressed up there on that. On the announcements, it's like, did you see them this morning? Pastor Daniel's like, and then they show me and I'm like. So I'm going to smile the whole service. Show this clip. And then they spelled my name wrong first service. They really didn't want you to come to service tonight to hear me preach. Who's the depressed guy with the name spelled wrong? Forget it. Don't go listen to that guy. 
And then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, whoever's in charge of the media department will probably get really offended if I say that. Then I realized, guess what? It's me. Where are we? Who knows? Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? God knew their fragile confidence and directed their course not the short way. You know, if you're, if you're feeling like God's taking you the long way around to his promise, he probably is. And it's for your benefit. I want you to say this with me. Set my course, O Lord. Right, we're going to make it our prayer tonight. Even if it's the long way around. Set my course, O Lord. It was God's wisdom that took them the long way. Not man's impatience. I don't know about you. I do not like being patient. I don't like it at all. It's like the worst thing ever. This morning, I went to go get my coffee from our blessed coffee shop. And there was like 500 people crowding around that. And I was like, I so You could play that clip. I was so tempted to walk up there and say, I'm Pastor Kirsten, may I get my coffee? You know, emphasize some sort of, you know, right to get up in front of the line. But I didn't. I was... It's awful. So God took them the long way around. God was concerned about the inside. Even though they were ready on the outside, God knew on the inside, no, no, we're not ready yet. Let's go this way instead. Praise God, he sets our course. Set my course, O Lord. Let's say it again. Set my course, O Lord. What a great prayer. Let's look at the next one. Exodus 14. Exodus 14, it's just flipped the page. You know, it's right there next. So here they are. They're, they're on their way to the, they haven't crossed the Red Sea yet. And this little passage here is so bizarre. Now, I want you to imagine this from the perspective of one of these Israelites, okay, who have left Egypt. Yes, God demonstrated awesome power. You know, things happened, frogs came everywhere. Can you imagine them telling the stories on the way? Remember all those, remember all those gnats that were everywhere, but they didn't come on us? Yeah, God's awesome. And we do that. Yeah, you know what God did for me? And then Exodus 14. Did you like that one? I'm trying to do a bunch of clips. I'm trying to give him a bunch of material. So then we get to this. Oh, this is going to help us out, even though I don't like it. Let's look at Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back 
and encamp near I have no idea. Pi Hahiroth. Does that work for you? Between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, oh, this is interesting. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Can you imagine God's God, the master creator of everything, who's created things too wonderful for us to understand? His great master plan was to make the Israelites look foolish. To confuse the enemy. Pharaoh will think. Those guys are morons. They have no idea what they're doing. Look at those guys out there. They don't know where they're going. Come on, easy target. Let's go get them. God's great plan was to make them look foolish. To have them come back. Can you imagine the Israelites going, what are we doing? No, 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 no. Can you imagine Moses standing there going, all right, everybody, stop. Now go back that way just a little bit. What? That doesn't make any sense. What a bizarre passage. God, the master creator, wants his children to look lost confused, frustrated, not knowing where to go. Anybody ever feel like that when you're trying to do your best to serve God or that he's given you a promise and it just went the other way? I'm here to tell you that doesn't mean it's not God's plan. God's great plan was for them to look foolish. God's wisdom was for his people to look like morons. What a wonderful thing. Maybe we should just thank God that sometimes we look like morons. Lord, I thank you, God, that I look like a moron. Nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to think that. Nobody wants to praise God that you look like a fool. God's great plan was for them to look confused and lost. God's great plan was he's going to be glorified by them looking lost and dazed and confused and bewildered. Oh, my goodness. Could it be that in our life, God's plan would be to frustrate us so that he could look good? Don't miss this because we so often think that following God and his plan for us We'll never have a a portion where we will look like a fool. That certainly couldn't be God's plan for us. Oh, yes, it could. And it was in this text. And it was all for God's glory. It was the plan to wipe out his enemies. He set them up to look like a moron. Good job, Moses. You look like a fool. 
You obeyed. You ever obey God and you're just like, this? I, I've made the biggest mistake I've ever made. This can't possibly be right. I have bombed it somewhere. Are you taking my picture? I don't have my glasses on, but I see something pointing at me. That was for the announcements too. Could it be you, you got a word from God to give a certain amount in the offering, and so you stretch your faith, and you write this check, and you give it, and everything goes wrong. Could it be that God put something in your heart, a ministry to be a part of, and the moment you join it, things go wrong in your life? Or, you know, any step of faith. Like that where God has spoken to you in some way and you obeyed and you look back and go, man, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done it like that. Could it be that God's wisdom could include a moment for the sake of your enemies to make you look like a fool, to lure them in so he could wipe them out? But we're so afraid to look like a fool. There are times that... We don't want to be embarrassed. And we miss the moment that God wanted to wipe out our enemies because we're so filled with our own self-pride. It couldn't possibly be that I would be embarrassed because of God doing something. That can't be God's plan. Right? But it was God's plan. So if you've obeyed God and you're starting to look like a fool and it's all gone wrong and you step down in faith, be encouraged by this text today. You did obey God. You did hear his voice. You did walk in faith and he's got your back and the picture's bigger than you think. Just obey. He's going to take care of you. And you might look like a fool in the process. Just throw your hands in the air and say, set my course, oh Lord. Come on, let's do it again. Set my course, O oh Lord. Let him be the boss. Praise the Lord. God's best plan in this passage was to put Israel in a place of vulnerability. Oh, yikes, that couldn't be God's plan. Have you ever been in that place where it's like, oh, God, if you don't show up. Oh, God, if you don't show up. That happens to be a blessed place. Because that says when he does show up, when you can't do it yourself, he's like, ah, oh, finally. Finally, I can get some glory around here. As long as you only operate in what you're comfortable doing, God can't be glorified. You are. And that's never his plan for you to look like the answer to everything. It's for him to look like the answer to everything. And by Israel looking dazed and confused, it was a place of vulnerability to their enemies, but it was the exact place God wanted them to be because he was going to show up. God's wisdom in the course. In this passage, I want to point out one more thing, is that God's best plan looked like foolishness to other people. Think about that for just a moment. God's best plan looked like foolishness to other people. That's a pretty truthful statement right there. When you obey God and you step out in faith, there will people that go, 
Are you kidding me? Why would you do that? It's between you and the Lord. You, you don't obey God just, just to get a vote of confidence from everybody around us. You're not going to get that. That's not going to happen. There are many times obeying God and obeying the course he sets for you will look like foolishness to the people around you. You got to know you heard God's voice. And if that's you today and, and, and there's, a, there's voices in your life that are tell, telling you how foolish you are for obeying God, shame on them because on judgment day, they will see how right you were for obeying God. I'll never forget being a young man. I took off my glasses so I, sa- I can't see the clock. It was a short message this morning, so that was for the announcements. When I was a young man, God, I knew God had spoke to me about doing something called full-time ministry. I didn't know what that meant, and I sure didn't know what it would cost me. All I knew was God spoke to me. I want you to go to this particular school and I want you to, to do ministry the rest of your life. That was it. That's all I got. So I went to someone significant in my life whom I knew was going to pat me on the back and say, let's do it. And I told him, this is what, uh, this is what God spoke to me, and I'm going to do this. And at that moment of me looking for a great cheerleader, I got exactly the opposite. And it was very difficult. There are words to me, I'm so disappointed in you. I thought you were going to be somebody someday. That's what they said to me, a very significant person. When you step out in faith to obey God, you can't use or gauge whether or not you made a right choice based on how other people will respond to your step of faith. I'm going to say that again. When you step out in faith to obey God, You cannot gauge whether or not you made a right choice based on all the voices and people around you and whether or not they agree with it. You can't do that. This text here today is giving us a hilarious picture of God's plan for us and what sometimes we look like when we obey God. Let's look at one more together. And it's, uh, we're going to flip over Exodus a few more. And now they're on their way to Mount Sinai, and this is our last one we're going to look at, and probably the one I dislike the most. Praise the Lord. Thank God for His Word. Okay, we're going to look at Exodus 23. Oh, this is so great. Not. 23.20, all the way to verse 30. Oh, this is wonderful. Let's look at this. See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. Oh, that's awesome. And to bring you to the place I have prepared. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if God spoke that to you? Man, that would give us some confidence, wouldn't it? Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion, yikes, since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of a whole bunch of ites, and I will wipe them out. 
Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. And this sounds awesome so far. Anybody want to sign up for this parade? Put me in it. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror, whatever that is, ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. Man, they sound invincible. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet. Oh, my. The hornet ahead of you to drive out more ites out of your way. Some of you are praying right now, Lord, send the hornet to my job site. I got some ites. Lord, send the hornet to my neighbors. I got some itey neighbors. Where's your hornet, oh God? Uh, where are we at? A hornet? I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the people out of your way. Okay, now here we go. This is where it's just like head scratcher. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Wait a minute, there's two million of them. Armed for battle. Little by little, everybody say it. Little by little. Let's say it again. Little by little. I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Here we are again. Let's say the title of our message. Set my course, O Lord. Here we are with God's great plan. And look at this awesome promise about who he's going to demonstrate himself as. He's going to demonstrate himself as their protector and their provider and all these great things. Their food, their water, no sickness, their healer, their everything. They're going to be invincible as they march into this land. But that same God is only going to do it a little bit at a time. So many times we get the promise. It's in our mind. We've got a picture of it. Or maybe it's a prophetic word or a dream or, a, you know, God gave us a scripture that we're setting out for. And again, we want the straight line. I'm encouraging somebody today that it's not going to happen quickly. Somebody, somebody here today has been become discouraged or, you know, maybe you feel like throwing in the towel because it, you don't have it in your hand yet. I'm here today to tell you it's little by little. Again, God is concerned about the internal things more than the external, more than putting the promise in your hand. Little by little, I will give it to you until you have what? Increased enough. Increased enough? There's two million of them and a bunch of junk they're, hanging, they're dragging along. God's wisdom is more than what we see. If you're doing your dead level best to obey God and, and it's just like, I can't figure out what's going on. Surely God would have responded by now. I'm here to encourage you today. 
doesn't mean you did something wrong if you don't have it in your hand yet. Little by little. I want you to know God's plan is to increase you until you can hold it in your hands. There's many times God puts something way out there and tells us what it is. And like I said earlier, it's so that something will happen in us between here and there. So really, it's not really about the thing that you're going to hold in your hand or see with your eyes. It's about what happens between there, one place and another. Little by little, he's doing something. One step at a time. One moment at a time. He wants to demonstrate who he is along the way. He's less concerned about you having it in your hand than for you to understand who he is along the way. He wants to demonstrate for you. He wants to show you multifaceted parts of who he is along the way. Let's look at some notes about this passage right here. God's plan was for them to have it all when they were ready for it. Not when God was ready for it. It was when they were ready for it. Lord, help me get ready. God's great plan is to increase us. And then here's the worst part. God's great plan included the wait. His plan was wait. Oh, Lord. You've got to be kidding me. The worst thing ever is the wait. It is terrible. It's terrible on the wait. Waiting for God's promise is horrible. It is no fun to the impatient, sinful nature that's inside us. It crucifies it. Let's look at some notes about the wait. I don't want you to miss this because some of you are waiting. I'm waiting. I'm in the wait. The blessed wait. That wasn't fun to say. Set my course, O Lord, even in the wait. The other day I came to early morning prayer, and it, I, I was discouraged about the wait. And so I lifted my hands, and I was just, with everything in me, Lord, thank you, God, that you're causing me to wait. There was no smile on my face, I'm sure. Thank you for the wait, oh Lord. Because he's doing something on the inside while I'm waiting. The wait increases your faith. How in the world is that? It would sure increase my faith if God promised me a pizza and poof, it materialized right in front of me. Oh man, God's awesome. Yeah. He doesn't do that. God promises and then we wait. Let's look at some things about the wait, some unfun things. Actually, these are the fun things. Here we go. The wait causes us to confront our faith. It makes you question what you believe about God. And that is a wonderful thing because it establishes you. The weight establishes your belief in who God is and his character. Is God a liar? That comes to you when you're waiting. Is God really as smart as what he's supposed to be? 
That comes to you when you're waiting. You have to decide. It's a glorious thing because it sets you. It sets your feet on a foundation about who God is. Is he faithful? Is he good? Is he, does he see me at all? Does he remember that he promised? Does he remember I'm waiting? Those are great questions. You get to answer them in the wait. So do I. The wait shapes the aim of our life. Oh, this is so good. Don't miss this. While you're waiting and you're confronted with what you believe about God, there's a confrontation. There's something on the inside of us while we're waiting for this promise where we decide, are we really going to keep living for God until we get that? And it shapes your life. The weight doesn't just ground you, it aims you. Waiting for that prophetic word to come to pass or that promise that he made or whatever that might be that's you're on this journey going toward, the weight is aiming your life. You start looking at things in your life that could be causing God to not give you that. You start asking yourself, Lord, have I done something that doesn't please you? Search my heart, oh God. Reveal unto me any way that's not pleasing to you and lead me in the way everlasting. God's really smart. He understands that if he promised you a pizza and just materializes it, it won't shape your life to keep pursuing him. The weight causes you to aim at pursuing Him. And that's a wonderful thing. If you weren't at church tonight, what would you be doing? Sitting at home flipping? Watching garbage go across the screen? Getting locked into something? The fact that you came to church has eliminated something that could have been damaging to you today. You have aimed your whole life. The weight causes you to aim. It causes me to aim. It causes me to, ca- to, to lose things in my life that need to be pushed off on the side. And it causes me to add things to my life that please the Lord. Because I want that promise. I know th- those of you that have children... You have been petitioned by your children at times for something. And you lay out maybe some requirements for them to have that something. And it's in those times they do their very best because they want the thing. That's the way it is with us waiting. We want the thing. If you've been waiting for a long time for the thing, don't give up. Keep your life aiming. Keep your purpose on Him and pleasing Him. You think He doesn't look at you and smile and go, look, He hasn't given up. She's still pursuing me. Let's look at something else about the wait, and then our time is almost up, I think. I wouldn't know. I can't see the clock. The wait builds perseverance. If you go throughout the... I'm just going to pick the book of Psalms. You will find 
an overload of scriptures that David wrote on waiting. David received a promise he was the next king, and it was years of him waiting, and he was faithful in the wait. So what, what should I do? Pastor Kirsten, I feel like I'm in one of those passages. I'm taking the long way around. Or, man, I thought I did right, but now I look foolish. Or, man, I'm waiting. Maybe you're in one of those. I am. Let's look at some things for moving forward. Take a look at these. I, I want to give you some encouragement today. First of all, remind yourself of God's character. Remind yourself that he's good, that he's perfect. His plans are good. His motives are good. His thoughts toward you are good. His ideas are good. He's never had a bad idea. He's never had a bad plan. His plan is perfect, and you're walking in it. So you can put your confidence in his character. Who is he really? He's good. He's good. His plans are good. God's character uh, includes his desire for you. His desire is your best. His desire is your best. And so that's what he aims towards. It's what he's working toward. Get on that. Uh, The next thing is look at what God is doing in you more than the fulfillment of the promise. So it's your perspective. So yeah, you got this thing that you can't wait for. Me too. Where is it? Oh God, where is your promise? Shift your gaze from whatever that is to what he's doing in you. Lord, do what you want to do in me. Lord, have your way. Shape me. Lord, you be God. I won't try to be God today. You be God. Get your eyes on him. What he's doing. Uh, The next thing is keep declaring the promise. Declare the promise. You don't have to ignore it. You declare it. It keeps your aim out there. It keeps your compass pointed in the right way. It's like this. God, you promised this, and you're going to fulfill it. You are faithful to watch over your word to keep it. You're going to keep your word. I'm putting my, you, you name it, whatever it is he gave you. Whatever that promise is, if it's a hot, delicious pizza, I just keep using the pizza as a, all of your drooling. I don't have my glasses on, but I can see you drooling. Declare that promise. Declare your confidence that God's going to keep his promise. Declaration, right? And the last thing is look beyond you. If you look at the book of Hebrews twice in chapter 11, God makes clear that he gave a promise to someone, but it was really for their generations that they would never see. Sometimes we're so selfish, we can't imagine God giving us a promise that isn't for us. It's for our children's children's children. Could Could that be God's great plan? We're so filled with greed and this selfish, sinful nature that we only want for us. That's a characteristic of the sinful nature is me, me, me. 
God doesn't always operate like that. Sometimes he gives you a picture of something you're setting up for someone else. It's what he does. Bothers, bothers me. I want it all. These kids are going to have kids. My kids are sitting right up here. They're tired of listening. Um, they're going to have kids one day. And some of the things that God spoke to me are going to show up then. And that's the way it is. Sometimes. So have that in mind. Remind yourself of God's character. Look at what God is doing internally in you. Keep declaring the promise. And look beyond yourself. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Let's take, let's take a moment. You're probably on one of these walks. God wouldn't give me this word so clear to me if it didn't affect a number of people here. Or watching online or maybe at a later date. You're going to watch this. This is for you. It's for me. I'm going to take a moment. Uh, Minister Micah, you just sang some song about we set our hope on you. Could we sing that one again? Because we're going to declare it. We're going to set our hope on Him. We're going to trust in Him. We're going to let Him be God. I hope you've been encouraged. Let's say the name of the title again. Set my course, O Lord. Make it your prayer. Come on, lift your hands. Close your eyes for just a moment. Just focus on Him. Nobody else bothering you. However this word affects you and your walk with Him, just begin to, just begin to lift up your voice and talk to Him about it. Take a moment to respond. Set my course, O oh Lord. Maybe that's a really difficult thing for you to even pray. Try it. You may be so discouraged over the, over the journey that you're sitting in, in discouragement and depression. This word is for you. Set my course, O oh Lord. If that's all you can say, then say it multiple times. Oh God, your wisdom. I want your wisdom, your great plan for me. I want your best. Even if it's the long way around. Even if I look foolish in doing it. Even if it's only one little step at a time. You're great and awesome, God. Come on, let's sing this Let's make this our prayer with Minister Mike.
come on one more time. Just put your confidence in Him. Verbally, say it out loud. Let yourself hear it. Lord, I'm going to put my confidence in You. You do have it all figured out. You do have the master plan. You are faithful. You are good. Your plans for me are good. Your thoughts toward me are good. Your motives are good. Your end goal for my life is good. I can trust in you. I can trust in your goodness. No matter what the road looks like or my personal preferences along the way, you be God today. Lead me by your goodness. Set my course, oh Lord. I mentioned earlier that if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. If you're watching online right now or at a later date, maybe you're watching this recorded, today is your day. Don't go another day without making Jesus the Lord of your life. Your whole life will change. Not because you repeated some words and hope some magical thing happens, but because you opened your life and received the King of Kings, the God of all creation, into your life and made Him the ruler of your life, of your heart and your mind and your circumstance. Something changes when you let God be God in your life. He sets your course. Becomes the most intimate friend you could ever imagine. So intimate he would take you on the long road because he clearly knows you on the inside. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Sometimes I don't know how I should pray. And sometimes I wish somebody would help me. So I'm going to help you today. Those of you online, those of you here, I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer. And if you have been growing distance in your fellowship with the Lord and maybe you haven't heard His voice in a while or maybe you want to reaffirm that He's the Lord of your life, let's do that right now while we're together. Why don't you pray this with me right out loud? Say, Dear Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. You be my God. I'll follow you all of my days. Set my course. I make you the boss. I'll follow you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Karen. I hope you have been encouraged at looking at Israel's journey because it's very similar to our own. Pastor Karen.